and slow, but moving. That's a good thing. Amen. Well, we're going to be back in the book of Acts. Um, I, I intended to preach the whole message this morning. It did not happen. Um, I had uh, this, this afternoon's message. was supposed to be the eight, hindrance, uh, to pr- eight uh, hindrances to prayer. Um, but uh, we're back in Acts chapter 1, and we, we, we want to try to work, the, work them together. Um, and not take a whole lot, take all your afternoon. Um, but uh, Acts chapter one, we're going to uh, start reading. We're going to start reading verse twelve and read through verse fourteen. It says in verse twelve, then returned they. They was referring to all the the uh, disciples mentioned um, mentioned uh, that we mentioned here in a moment. Then. Returned they unto Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is from Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey. And when they were come in, they went up into an upper room where abode both Peter and James and John and Andrew and Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, and Bartholomew, and Matthew, James, the son of Alphaeus, and Simon, Zelotus, and Judas, the brother of James. These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus and with his brethren. Let's pray. Father, God, I thank you, Lord, for all that you've done for us. God, I thank you that we have the ability to pray. Lord, it's a privilege. It's not a right. Lord, it isn't something that we earn. Uh, but, Lord, it's something that you graciously granted unto us. And, God, I pray that uh, as we come before you, Lord, uh, that, that you hear our prayers today. Lord, I pray that uh, this time that we have here together, Lord, of, of singing, um, of praise, Lord, Regardless of the numbers here, Father, uh, may the praise have been pleasing to you. Lord, that doesn't—we don't need numbers for that, Father. We need—we just need hearts that seek to lift you up. So, God, I—I I pray that you would—that you would be pleased with what we did here this this afternoon. God, I pray that uh, that, that our prayers, that our, our time of Bible study here, would also be pleasing to you. And God, I ask that you would encourage us through your Word this afternoon. I pray that you'd strengthen us through your Word. Lord, I pray that you would equip us through your word. Uh, may your spirit have its way with us. And uh, Lord, we'll praise you for all that's done. Father, because anything that's done that's good is from you. We ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. This morning, we began to look at the results of the teaching of Jesus on prayer. Uh, Jesus taught the disciples to pray, taught them how to pray, and and we, we can... We, could go back and and cover that ground again, but we won't for sake of time. Uh, but uh, but the the result the, the result of any teacher isn't their their ability to stand up and have people listen to them. The result of a teacher is how you see it in the students' lives. So Jesus taught the disciples to pray, and the first thing that we see in the church here uh, when when. When Jesus has left, he's given them the commandment to go and to preach the gospel. He said, go and wait in Jerusalem. And they didn't go back to their jobs. They didn't go back to their lives. They didn't go back to, to, to uh, just to sit and do nothing. They went back and they sought God in prayer. 
And what we see here in, in, in Acts chapter 1 verse 14 is the very first prayer meeting ever recorded in Scripture of the New Testament church. Uh, there were groups that got together and prayed together in the Old Testament, but that wasn't the New Testament church. This is the first time that the church had gotten together. They were the, the beginning of that. And so they came together and we looked at, we looked at, uh, at some of the benefits and the history of, of, of prayer throughout the, uh, the book of Acts. Uh, and how God worked through prayer in their lives, through them, uh, to the people around them. There was this cycle of prayer, power, proclamation, and then, and then uh, persecution. Every time they would pray, God would show up in power, and then they would, in response to that power of the Holy Spirit coming upon them, they would proclaim the truth of the Word of God, and people would get saved. And what a manifestation of the power of God. That's what it's all about. In fact, as we, as we mentioned this morning, uh, they were the hands and feet of Jesus. Uh, Luke said there, verse 1 and 2, uh, uh, not Luke, yeah, Luke said in verse 1 and 2 of Acts chapter 1, that, uh, that, he, that he said that he was... Uh, it says, the former treaties have I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and to teach until the day which he was taken up. Uh, he was telling him in the, in the Gospel of Luke what Jesus did while he was here. In the book of Acts, it's what, it's what God did through the apostles and through the church after he was gone. And so, so they were the hands and the feet of, 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 of Jesus Christ. They were to go where Jesus could no longer walk. They were to, to speak what Jesus could no longer say. They were to heal who he could no longer, or not that he couldn't heal, but he wasn't present physically to heal and to test him. But his spirit was, at least it was after chapter 2 comes along. But what, so what did they do? They came together and they prayed. And, and we talked about uh, several different things. And I'll just run down through them real quickly. Uh, how the, the, the church, uh, the united prayer is a comfort to a discouraged, a discouraged church. And how in that time where, where the, the shepherd of the flock was now gone, they were able to come together and encourage one another uh, and be encouraged in prayer. We talked about how uh, the prayer meeting was a place for the reception of God's divine power, how God moved through that. You can pray for the power of God, and God can, can rest upon you, and God can fill you with the Spirit. You don't need to be in a prayer meeting, but if our church is going to be full of power, it isn't going to be because one person is praying for it. It's going to be because we're praying for it, because we're praying for revival, because we're seeking for it. Uh, we also looked at Acts 4.31. Uh, prayer meeting was a resource for the persecuted church. Uh, after after the apostles uh, were were uh, arrested, not arrested, but taken and sat down and questioned and grilled and, and then uh, ordered not to preach the name of Jesus Christ anymore, they were beaten and let loose. And what did they do? They went and had a prayer meeting. And they praised the Lord for, for the, the fact that they were able to be persecuted. They praised God that he was in control and he knew what was going on. And they didn't ask for God to take away the persecution. They asked God to give them the boldness and the strength to, to persevere in spite of the persecution. And listen, prayer, the prayer meeting is a resource for us as a church to continue on through the difficult times. And even though we don't receive the persecution that the church received back then, we still go through difficult times. We still have trials and afflictions and COVID and everything else that's going on. And it's the prayer meetings that can encourage and strengthen God's people to, to continue on in the midst of that, not necessarily having been removed from it, but, but the power to go on. Acts chapter 12, verse 5, we talked about the prayer meeting there, and it was a means of individual deliverance. And they, they, they got together because Peter was in prison, and, and, and they, they prayed. It says the prayer was made without ceasing to, for Peter by the church. And, man, we talked about how God... God got him out of that situation. 
and d delivered him in a miraculous way that nobody else, they didn't, they didn't get up an army, they didn't go buy weapons, they didn't try to bribe anybody, they, they just got on their faces before God and they prayed. And it was something that they did on a regular basis because when Peter was free, when, when he finally woke up and realized, hey, God got me out, he knew exactly where to go and he knew exactly what they were going to be doing. He, he went to the, to the prayer meeting and, and we, we talked about how the, uh, the, the servant girls didn't, uh, didn't or recognized him, but nobody believed her. But just like that, man, God can deliver individuals now through prayer. I, as I gave my testimony, I'm a result of my, my, my home church, New Philadelphia, Ohio, Calvary Baptist Church. I was on their prayer list for years while I was walking away from the Lord and doing my own thing. They prayed for me. My parents prayed for me. But every week, my name was brought up in that church, and God's people prayed. And, and listen, just like it happened in my life, it's happened in countless others. Names that we can never even uh, imagine. Uh, names that we, that we may never hear. But because God's people got together, God's church got together and prayed for those individuals. Uh, well, there's a book called uh, Fresh Wind, Fresh Fires by Jim, Jim Simbola. He's a pastor of a, uh, something tabernacle. Uh, a, a big, big church with a big choir. I don't remember the name of the. Uh, I don't remember the name of the the, the church, but but the, he talks about how it, it was at a prayer meeting that the, his his daughter had walked wandered away from the Lord and uh, and had been away from God for quite a while in drugs and in, just in a bad situation. And they they hadn't talked to her or seen her in a while, and it just about broke them. They almost left left the ministry. And uh, somebody during one of the church services, he had prayed and God had given him peace. And during one of the church services, uh, one of the ladies came up and said, uh, "said uh, I, I really feel that God wants us to, as a church just to pray for your daughter. And that night he went home and he told his wife, he said, Honey, it's done. She is free. As far as they knew, he was still in the same situation she was. And his wife didn't understand it until the next morning when he was shaving just with the peace of God upon his heart. His, his wife came in, and, and this is his testimony from his mouth. Uh, she said, she's downstairs in the, in the living room. Pray, praying and asking God to forgive her. What happened? God's people got together and prayed and God heard and moved. In the book of Ezekiel, I believe it's Ezekiel, I got, I got it written down here. I got so many passages written down, I'm not sure which one's which at the moment. But the it says God's ear is, is, is not deaf, his hand is not shortened. He can still save. It goes on to say that the reason he doesn't is because of the sin of the, in the hearts of the people. There are a lot of hindrances to prayer. We're going to get to that here in a few moments. But I haven't even got past what we talked about this morning. Goodness. In Acts chapter, in Acts chapter 13, God in a prayer meeting, God separated out Paul and Silas for service. They were they were together. They were he had been busy, had been busy for years, um, had spent time getting to know God. He had been preaching the, the gospel, but it was in the middle of that service uh, as they worshipped God and served God in in prayer and fasting that God separated them out. And listen, uh, there are times I believe that people aren't being separated out because the church just isn't praying for it. And what did Jesus say? Pray ye therefore that the Lord of the harvest will send forth laborers into the harvest. If we're if we're not praying for God to do that and asking God to do that there could be God's hand is being restrained. Lastly, Acts chapter 16, verse 3, the last one we talked about this morning. 
permitting, permitting was used as to, to, to get the foothold of the gospel into Europe. And that last one is in Acts chapter 16, verse 13. It's where Paul meets, Paul goes down to the riverside where prayer was wont to be made. And he preached the gospel to Lydia and she gets saved. And that's that's massive because that was the first time outside of Asia Minor out, out, out that, that, the, that the gospel was preached. And from that, the gospel stretched all across Europe. And it, w- God got a foothold there. Why? Because the people came together seeking God in prayer. And God sent someone there to give them the gospel. Now, they were Jews. They were people that were, they were that's why they were there in, in that area. If it, in fact, anywhere, if there was a place that wasn't necessarily a, a temple for them to pray, the Jews would go in that place. If you notice, Paul's, Paul's uh, pattern was always to go to the temple first. But in this particular place, there was no temple. So that he met where, he went down to where the Jewish people would be praying. And that's where he met Lydia. And so he preached the gospel. She got saved. And it was at that, it was at that prayer meeting that, that the gospel got a foothold. And if we're going to see the gospel get a foothold here, then we need to pray as a church, seeking God to do something. Every church has a life cycle. Just like a, just like a, 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 everything has a life cycle. How many of you have seen some of those these beautiful churches they ha- that we have, uh, the buildings that all over the place? These old beautiful Baptist churches, big white buildings with the the massive bell up in the. Nobody goes to them anymore. They're empty. What happened? They died. Because the church is a living. Thing. It's a living organism. It isn't. It isn't a. It isn't a uh, contract. It isn't a a business. It's a group of people, and and there has to be just like our cells reproduce. In our, in our human body, we are to reproduce and to bring in fresh blood. And this is how does that happen? Those churches were were once on fire for God and once doing well. What happened? We got comfortable. You get to a certain time in 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 a, in, a, in a church. You get to a certain place where where uh, at the beginning a, a baby's hungry, right, and it wants to grow and move. And and when a church gets planted, you get people that they're excited about telling people about Christ, and they get out and they're telling everybody the church is growing and moving. And, and there's something there. Ever after a while, though, as we get older, it's not so easy to move anymore. It's a whole lot easier just to sit back. And sometimes we get this idea of retirement, and, 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 and although I don't see anywhere where Paul retired, uh, or or John, or or any of the other apostles, they they went to the very end. Many churches, all throughout the world, all throughout the country, have come to that point where they're just empty and there's nothing there. I don't think we're there. We're few numbers today. That doesn't mean that this afternoon we we had almost 50 this morning, and there were 11 people watching. I'm not saying we have a dead church. But if we don't do something, if we don't stir back up those fires of, 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 of evangelism and get out and tell people, if we don't seek the power of God as, as, a, as an entire body of believers, what will happen? Our faithful members, our, our, our faithful few, uh, uh, will begin to not be able to come to church because... They're just not able to. The, the, the people begin to drift off or, or the, the church will die. We're not there yet, but I don't want to ever get there either. So what do we do? Pray.
We want to stir up the, the, the desire to see people saved. Pray for it. We have 18,000 people in the city of Augusta that need to hear the gospel. Pray. The God would send forth laborers. The God would stir up laborers here. The God would help us to go forth and share the gospel. And, and listen, that's, that, that's how God works. Now, so we talked about historically how God worked through the prayer meeting. We're going to talk just for a moment the benefits of prayer meeting. What are the benefits of having a prayer meeting in a church? We see that they that they had it all through the book of Acts. Uh, notice what I you know what we didn't see. What you don't find in the book of Acts is you look at the church. You don't see a whole lot of individual prayers. Now that doesn't mean those things aren't important. The book of Acts is about the church and the movement of the church and the growth of the church. I can guarantee you, Paul had a prayer life. I can guarantee you, Peter had a prayer life. In fact, if you remember the first time that Peter, the first time that Peter uh, is told to go to the Gentiles, is he's he's, he's meditating and, and God speaks to him through a vision, right? As that was a time of probably of, of prayer and, and just meditation when God spoke to him. Uh, he had a prayer life. They all did, and the this corporate prayer was built upon the foundation of their private prayer. I'm not trying to take away that the most important thing for any Christian is their private prayer life. But if you want your prayer life to grow, and if we want our church to grow, we need to have a, a corporate prayer life. So the benefits of a, of a, of a corporate or, or a prayer meeting, if you would, uh, number one is this. It strengthens the unity of the church. It strengthens the unity of the church. Acts chapter 1, verse 14. It says, these, and again, that's, that's all the apostles, all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the woman and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brethren. Now, I already mentioned it this morning, so we won't spend a lot of time talking about this, but they continued in one accord. There was harmony. It's one, they had one heart and one mind. And it wasn't just the apostles. It wasn't just those 12 or the 11. It was, it was them. It was the, the, their wives. It was the women, Mary, Martha, uh, Mary, Magda. They were, they were all there. Mary, the mother of Jesus, his brethren, they were all there, and they were all with one mind, with one accord. Listen, in Christ, we're already united. There's already a unity between you and I because we're both saved, and the same spirit that dwells in me dwells in you. But they came together with one mind, with one heart, with one spirit for one purpose. It strengthens unity. When you get down on your knees and you're praying next to somebody and, and they're crying out and calling out your name and we're praying for your needs, there, there's an encouragement there and there's a bond there that, that has grown stronger because of your prayer. The Bible says in Galatians chapter 6, verse 2, that we're to bear one another's burdens. Too many times we don't know how to bear one another's burdens because we don't know what the other burden is. We don't know uh, what it is because nobody's told us and nobody shares it. And how can you pray for somebody if you don't know what the problem is? If you're struggling in your, in your Christian walk, if you're, if you're struggling with the, uh, in your marriage or with your children, you're, you have a desire to see a, a lost loved one saved, but you don't tell anybody, how can we bear that burden for you? The Bible tells me to, but I can't because I don't know. It means we have to come together in fellowship and share those things. It also says in, in the book of, book of James 5.16, it says, confess your faults. Well, now, nobody around here needs to know my faults. Hypocrite. 
we all, let's just be honest, we don't want to be pharisaical and have everybody think that we walk a righteous life, but that's what we do. We don't want people to know where we struggle and where we fall because, well, they might think less of me. No, you just be the same as them. That verse is tied to the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. I say tied to, it's the same verse. Just the first half and the second half. It says, confess your faults and pray for one another that you may be healed. So I can't pray for God to strengthen you if I don't know your faults. Listen, here's a, and this was not me. I can't pray for your faults. I don't ask you for them. It strengthens unity in the body of believers to, to be able to come together and pray for one another. To lift up the, our burdens and, and, and bear our weaknesses. Listen, none of us are perfect. Peter and Paul weren't perfect. We need to come together and pray for one another. Acts chapter 4, girls, be quiet. Acts chapter 4. Not only do we, does, does the prayer meeting benefit or strengthen the unity of the of the church, it also stokes the fires of the church. It stokes the fire of the church. In Acts chapter 4, we, we, we covered this again this morning, so we, we won't get into it too deeply, but the church had gone through a difficult time. The, the, the apostles had been persecuted, but they came back praising the Lord. But the many times when we go through afflictions, we're not praising God in the midst of it. We're struggling. If we're, if we're, if we're just downright honest. Uh, but but it, when I say it stokes the fires of the church. Have you ever taken a coal out of a fire? Or what happens if, if you have a red hot coal and it's in the midst of a fire and you take it out? Well, okay, you take it out with a pair of tongs. You don't grab it with your bare hand. Smart people. Troublemakers. It, it gets cold, right? You blow on it. It might. You may throw some water on it or whatever. It, it gets dark. It, 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 it begins to get cold. It, it loses the, the heat. So many times when we're going through difficulties in our lives, different afflictions, different persecution, whatever whatever it may be, trials of life, and we're separated from the body of believers that were to be that they're to be there to encourage us, they're to be there to strengthen us. It can be hard to go through those things, and if we're not necessarily in a right state of mind, it can put us in a wrong state of mind. It can get us to where we're discouraged. It can get us to where we're fearful. It can get us to where we're just ready to quit because, hey, I just can't do this on my own anymore. What happened when they got together? They came back, and yes, they're, they, 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 let's, let's read it. It says, verse 19, But Peter and John answered and said unto them, Whether it be right in the sight of God to hearken unto you more, than unto God, judge ye, for we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. So when they had further threatened them and let them go, finding nothing how they might punish them, for all men glorified 
God for that which was done. For the, the man was above forty years old, whom this miracle healing was showed. And being let go, they went to their own company and reported all the chief priests and elders said unto them. And when they heard that, they lifted up their voice with one accord, and they prayed. I already read it once, once or twice today. We won't go through it again. But they prayed. They asked God for boldness. They praised God for, 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 for what He had done and for, for how He was in control. And they asked God for boldness to continue on in the face of that persecution, in the face of that resistance, to be able to preach the gospel. Why did they ask for boldness? Because they knew that they might not have it. Why did they ask for for that for that to be able to persevere? Because they knew if left alone, that they might give up. There are times when we get to that point, but but coming together and praying together stirred up in them, stirred up not just in them, but in their whole church, a, a desire to get out there and to stand for what was right and to preach the gospel regardless of what anybody else did. And the Spirit of God came down upon them, and they made it just like before. The earth shook, and, and they went out and they preached the gospel in power. Why? Because they prayed together. When we come together, listen. You, there are times when, when, when you come, when we come to church, you may not feel like being here. You may not feel like, 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 like praying. I'm just not in the right mind to pray. Maybe, maybe this the, the thought that comes into your head. Uh, I'm not in the right mind to pray, or, or, or my, my mind might, might hinder the prayer service, or, or my attitude. Listen, that's that, that's not a reason to not be there. That's the reason to come and get stirred up. It's the reason to come and get on your knees and say, God, I'm not there, but Lord, I want to be. And coming and praying together can stir up that in your hearts. How many times have you heard somebody else pray and their voice break as, as God is working on them as they're praying, and that stirs up in you uh, this, 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 this yearning for, for, the, for the moving of God and as you begin to pray. How many times has that happened? I know it's happened to me. And it wasn't because of the great words that were said. It was because God's people were here praying. Lastly, well, I say lastly, it's not the end of the message. Don't, don't want to scare you there. The strength, uh, the prayer meeting strengthens the unity of the church. Prayer meetings stoke the fires of the, of the church. And the prayer meeting secures special blessings for the church. Special blessings. The Bible says where two or three are gathered in my name, I'll be there. That's a special blessing. Well, that, that could be every week. Could be. To be every service. I, I can meet with God all by myself. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. But God's word says, if Jesus hadn't said it, or Jesus said it, there's a reason for it. There's an encouragement for God's people to come together and to pray with one another. It goes on to say, uh, goes on to say that when, when two people agree on any one thing, listen, there's reason why it's, there's a special blessing when God's people come together and pray. We want power as a church. We pray. We want we want security as a church. We pray. We want we want the, the, the God to give us the ability to go out and preach preach and, and see people saved. Boldness. We pray. It can start with one or two, but it's got to, it, it needs to spread. 
Just like any other fire needs to spread. The purpose of the prayer meeting is threefold as well. Number one is to glorify God. Any prayer, the purpose should be to glorify God, no matter what it is. If we're, if we're praying for anything outside of, uh, out the, well, if we're praying for anything, according to what Jesus taught us in, back in Matthew and back in Luke, we could start with, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. That was the, the template that, that Jesus Christ gave the disciples, gave, gave the apostles. What, what does that mean? It's talking about praising God. Many times we, we, we leave that part out of our prayers. But any prayer meeting should have some time spent in glorifying God. It shouldn't be a list of, of wants or even needs. And there should be a time when somebody praises God for his goodness, where somebody thanks God for what he's done, for the salvation that's been, that's been given to us, for, for how he's already answered prayer. There should be a time of prayer. Prayer should always be a, a time to glorify God. And the purpose of the prayer meeting is we gather together. It is God's church. God's people crying out to the one who can help. The first purpose is to glorify God. The second purpose is this. For the blessing of the church. We all have individual needs. But we are not, while we are individuals, we are not individuals. While you're an individual child of God, you belong to the church. You're a member of the church. You're, you're a part of the body of the church. You may be a finger. You may be a foot. You may be an eyeball. You could be any, any kind of weird, odd, strange body part. But you're a member of our church. And when we come together, it, it, listen, it, it, it hurts when half the body isn't here. And the fact, and if half the body, or it's because of the body, how much is the church limited because of that? Corporate prayer is for the body of the church. To, to, if not, and, and listen, I don't mean I'm not talking about so we can have lots of people here. It's not about numbers, but spiritual growth. It's it's about God working in us and working through us and empowering us. And listen, it's a blessing to the church as we bear one another's burdens. It's, a, it's for the blessing of the church, to glorify God and for the blessing of the church and the salvation of the lost. Listen, there's so many needs that we have as far as people. Uh, there, there, there isn't any need that's too big or too small for God. And mo many times we think of the smaller things. For us, they seem big, but to God, they're small. And we think of that, well, I'll ask God about this and this, but I would never bring this up. No, ask the Lord and pray. Listen, I understand there are some things that you don't feel comfortable asking for prayer from others. Isn't that a little bit of pride? We're afraid of what people might think of us. Remember, you should confess your faults one to another and pray that they might be healed. And I'm not saying run around and tell everybody all your sins. It's, it, it's not a, it doesn't become a gossip party. Don't start telling anybody about your, your, your spouse's sins or anything like that. That's, that's not for you. That's not for you. What I'm saying is the word to come together and to pray. It's to be for the furtherance of 
the, for the glory of God, for the blessing of the church. And then again, yes, as I already said, the salvation of the lost. We all have folks that we can, that we know that need to be saved. We have a list. There's a copy of it over there on the front chair. There's about 35 to 40 names on it uh, of names that were brought forward. And we know more than that. If, we're, if we would take the time and re- we would have an exhaust and have an exhaustive list of people that we know that are lost without Christ, we would never be able to get through that prayer list. <laughs> because we live, we live in a city of people that need Christ. But the purpose of the prayer meeting is to pray for them. How many souls could be can, are saved because of God's people gathering together and bringing those names before him? Lastly, hindrances to prayer. There are eight hindrances to prayer and to the prayer meeting. The first one can be found in the book of James. James chapter 4. In fact, they're falling over. James chapter 4 it says this in verse 3, or verse 2. You lust and have not, you kill and desire to have and cannot obtain. You fight and war, yet you have not because ye ask not. The first hindrance to prayer is just not praying. So that's that's not a real hindrance to prayer. Yes, it is. It is the number one, the biggest hindrance to prayer. It's just not praying. It's not asking. Why isn't God moving in the prayer meetings at church? Because we're not, the, the, the whole body isn't here asking him. Well, can God hear a few? Yes, he can. Yes, he can. I'm not going to tell you that God can't answer the, the prayers of this group right here. If we don't ask, God doesn't move. It is too easy to try to fix things ourselves. It is too easy to try the next big thing or the next. Uh, too many churches, and this is uh, it, it, across our uh, across our nation, uh, have gotten into this. This, uh, well, let's do this to get the people in, do this to get the people in, we'll run this program, we'll do that program. Uh, I see ads all the time for pastors. If you do this, if you just do this, you run this program, or you do this, we could run all the programs. If we had an unlimited bank account, we could run all the programs. We could have in all the speakers, and we could have we could have the big name guys come up here, the guys from all the big colleges, and and everybody knows, and, and we could have all them. We could poach all the people from the other churches. Uh, that's not what I want to do, by the way. Uh, uh, we could we could have the uh, we could have all the the, the the best bands, the best singers. They, they can come through, and hey, I love the friends. I think they're they're pretty much, they're pretty awesome. Uh, uh, but we could have all the best and get lots of people here. But if we don't ask, all that will go away. Doesn't matter how many programs we run. 
doesn't matter how good my personality is. I don't have one, by the way. But some churches are built upon personalities. You can have one. You can you can have people come in just to follow the pastor. When the pastor's gone, so are the people. What what we want is the body of believers that are here to meet with God. And what we need is for the body of believers to be seeking to meet with God. You have not because you ask not. The first hindrance to prayer is that we don't ask. So I encourage you to ask. Ask ask and ask often. Pray. Pray in your daily Bible reading. Pray or pray during your, your daily devotional time. Uh, pray the Bible says pray without ceasing. So pray all day throughout the day at night when when God wakes you up and reminds you, but pray and ask. Come be a part of the men's prayer, or the men's prayer breakfast back when we, whenever we get that started back up again, and we're not you know not held back by COVID. Uh, uh, come back to the, come to the prayer uh, men's the men's uh, fellowship meeting and spend the time with us in prayer as we as we seek the face of God. Uh, come to the prayer meetings and 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 pray. Uh, go to the ladies' meetings and pray. But but make sure that you pray because if we don't pray, God doesn't answer. Also, we see here in James chapter 4, the second reason prayer is hindered. It goes on to say in verse 3, Ye ask and receive not, because ye ask amiss, that ye may consume it upon your lusts. The second hindrance is, is to ask with the wrong motivation. See, the right motivation in prayer is, there's only one right motivation, by the way, and it's to glorify God. You can ask for the right thing for the wrong purpose, and you've asked amiss. There, there are many things that God tells us to ask for. We can ask for wisdom. We can ask for souls to be saved, and because God's desire is to see people saved. We can ask for, for strength. We can ask for power. We can ask for... Those are all prayer requests that, that, that are in line with the Word of God and in line with the will of God for our lives. But if you're asking for power so people can look at me and say, hey, I'm a great man. What a preacher that man is. I have asked amiss because my motivation is wrong. If you're asking for somebody to get saved because you want a different situation, or you want the, the glory of leading them to Christ, or listen, wrong reason, you've asked amiss. Even though it was the right, the right question or the right prayer, it was the wrong motive. And that prayer, the Bible says, God does not hear. We need to be very careful about our motives when we pray. The only true motive is to glorify God. Prayer, for, prayer should be uh, uh, showing how we, how much we depend upon God. And if we come to God humbly in prayer, the truth is, if we're honest, we aren't anything. We're not worthy of anything that he does for us. It's, it's all because of his goodness and his power, and we just want to glorify him. And if, if that's our motive, then, then that pleases God, and that, that, that works, that, that, that works in, 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 as the right motive for our prayer time. Number three, if I, if I mess up on the numbers, bear with me because I wrote seven hindrances to prayer, and then I've added one at the beginning, because that's where it was supposed to go, and <laughs> so the numbers are off. So, but this is correct. Number three, sin hinders prayer. Isaiah chapter 59, verse 1. It 
Isaiah 59.1 says, Behold the Lord's hand. And this is the one that was, I said, I, I said it was Ezekiel earlier, but it's, it's actually Isaiah 59. Verse 1, Behold the Lord's hand is not shortened, that it cannot save. Aren't you glad about that? What that means is uh, God's, God's reach isn't so short that he can't save any, that, that, that there are certain people that he can't save. Uh, he can reach any one of us. There, there isn't any, anyone he cannot save. Neither his ear heavy that it cannot hear. Again, thankful that God can, can hear our prayers. However, but is the next word. And but pretty much puts a hole on everything else. He says, but your iniquities have separated between you and your God, and your sins have hid his face from you, that he will not hear. Sin, un unconfessed sin, is a hindrance to prayer. Too many times we'll, somebody will pray, and they'll be seeking God for something, and they'll be asking God, and there'll be something in their life that God has shown them, and they, they won't confess it. They won't, they won't acknowledge that it's wrong, and they'll, they'll keep on in that. And they'll wonder, why does not God not hear me? Why does it seem like my prayers hit the ceiling? Why every time I read the Word does it seem cold to me? I don't understand. It's because your fellowship is broken, and because of your sin, God cannot hear you. God will not hear you. It's not that he can't do it. It's not that he can't save you. It's not that he can't hear you. It's that he won't because of your sin. The word of God is is, is there to be that, that, that looking glass for us to examine ourselves. And we're, to, we're to pray and to ask the Spirit to, to search me, O oh God, and know my heart, and to try me, and know my thoughts. Listen, God knows your heart, and He knows your thoughts. What we need is God to reveal those things to us. And He does that through the Spirit of God, and He does that through the Word of God. And if, there's a, if you're praying and God isn't answering, God isn't revealing something to you uh, or, 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 or providing an answer to your request, I would suggest the very first thing you do is, is look at your own life and your own heart and say, God, is there anything? Because sometimes we just don't understand and don't know. Sometimes God uses this as a way for us, uses this lack of an answer to prayer to, to reveal that to us. And you, you spend some time in prayer and say, okay, God, is there something? And God will reveal it to you, and you confess it, and God will take care of it. Psalm 66, verse 18, says, if we, have iniqu if we hold iniquity in our heart, the Lord does not hear us. Psalms 139, verse 23 and 24 says so this, search me, O God, and know my heart, and try me, and know my thoughts, and see if there be any wicked way in me. And then notice what it says last, and lead me in the way of everlasting. If there's no desire to change, if there's no desire to walk in the ways of God, it doesn't do any good for God to reveal to us the sin in our lives, and those things that are an affront to him. That's why Paul says, that's why Paul says, uh, uh, be, or James, be doers of the word and not hearers only, because there are people that will look in that glass and they'll walk away doing nothing. The fourth hindrance to prayer is this, found in Ezekiel. I knew we'd get there. Ezekiel chapter 14. Fourteen, verse 
says this, Son of man, these men have set up their idols in their heart and put the stumbling block of their iniquity before their face. Should I be inquired of all, of at all by them? An idol in our heart. An idol in our heart can be a hindrance to prayer. Do I don't worship idols. Not many Americans do, at least not in a sense of, uh, in the sense of uh, idols being placed before us. But anything that's placed in the, fa- in the in the place of God can be an idol. A career can be an idol. An education can be an idol. A spouse can be an idol. Your children can be idols. Your TV can be an idol. Yourself can be an idol. And if we're going to place anything in, in, in God's place, we've lowered God. We've, we, we, we've, 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 we've brought him low. And the Bible says, that, well, number one, that's sin. We, we know this. But God does not hear that prayer. We need to be very careful that God is in his rightful place. That for us, he is King of kings and Lord of lords. There is no other God like him. There is no other God. He is God Jehovah, the creator of all the universe. And and he's not some idol that was made by hands. He's not some tree that was found that began to be worshipped. He's the creator of everything. And so, so as, if we put him in our minds in the right place, now we've got to put him in our heart in the right place. And, and many times what we'll do is, and this is, this is a, a, a stickler point for a lot of people, in pride we'll put ourselves there. The throne of my heart is where I sit. And, I, and I'll, I'll yield some things to God. I'll even yield most things to God, but there are some things that I won't. Well, what's that saying? God's not king of my life. So who is? Me. If we want God to answer our prayers, if we want God to, 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 to do work in us, we our, our prayers cannot must not be hindered as, as a church and as individuals. We need to let God be God and have him rule over our hearts. The fifth, the fifth hindrance to prayer can be found in Proverbs chapter 21. And as Americans, this is something that many people struggle with. Proverbs chapter 21, verse 13, says this. Yep, I'm reading the wrong verse. There we go. I was reading chapter 20. 21, verse 13. Whoso stoppeth his ears at the cry of the poor... He also shall cry himself, but shall not be heard. This verse indicates that if we're stingy, if we have a lack of generosity or liberality, that God does not hear our prayers. In First John chapter 3, you don't have to turn there, uh, uh, our love for others is can be shown in, actually go ahead and turn to First John chapter 3, uh, our love for others can be shown in, in uh, our, our willingness to give. 
In fact, it says that that is a, a test of our, our, of our salvation. Because when our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart. But it says that we can know that we're his, that we're saved, because when those, when a brother, hold on, let me find it here, First John chapter 3, verse 17, But whoso hath this world's good, and seeth his brother have need, and shutteth up his bowels of compassion for him, how dwelleth the love of God in him? My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth, and hereby we know that we are of the truth, and shall our, assure our hearts before him. It's, uh, we, uh, if we're going to have the love of God in our hearts, uh, then there should be a love of others as well. And it shouldn't be just in word, but in how we give. Look at verse 22 of the same chapter. We've just talked about generosity. And tied to that, in just a few verses later, he says, And whatsoever we ask, we receive of him, because we keep his commandments. But what that says is that if there's a lack of that generosity, if there's a lack of that liberality, then, then, then God won't, we won't be pleasing in his sight, that we're not living in the way that, that he would have us to, and we won't receive that which we've asked for. Luke chapter 6, verse 3. Says, and Jesus answering them said, Have you not read so much as this, what David did when he himself was unhungered? I wrote down the wrong verse. Last, the last verse. I don't know what I don't know which verse that was supposed to be, but Philippians four, four nineteen. We all know it. My, and my God supply all your need. According to his riches and mercy in Christ Jesus. Remember that verse? You know what it's talking about? It's it's in context, it's talking about after their generosity of giving. God will supply all their need because they gave when they didn't have anything to give. If we're stingy with what God has given to us, if if we if we want to hold it to us instead of helping others, then the Bible says our prayers will be hindered. Number six, in hindrances to our prayer, in whether it's corporate or individual prayers, is an unforgiving spirit. Mark chapter 11, verse 25. Mark chapter 11, verse 25 says, says this, And when you stand praying, forgive. If ye have ought against any, that your Father also, which is in heaven, may forgive you your trespasses. Too many times people are praying for something and praying, asking God to, to, to provide or asking God to work in a certain situation or even asking for the power of God. But in their, in their hearts, it could be some small grudge that they've been holding for the last 15 years. And listen, that grudge, that unforgiving spirit uh, will, will hinder their prayers from being answered. We live in a day and age when, when uh, there is a lack of prayer. We live in a day and age when there is a, a, a lack of power in the prayer that is prayed. And we wonder why. Because our prayers are hindered. 
We refuse to for, we refuse to forgive, and even if it's uh, even if it's something that's held back been years and years, we don't think it matters. It matters to God. Number seven, First Peter three seven uh, tells us that a wrong relationship between a husband and wife can hinder our prayers. But listen, that indicates to me that if I have a wrong relationship with my wife, or my wife has a wrong relationship with me, or we have a wrong relationship with our children, or anybody, any type of strife or division between me and somebody else, listen, I ought to go take care of that before I come to the Lord in prayer, or else He won't hear me. And I want my prayers to be heard. Lastly, James chapter 1, verses 5 through 7. We're told to ask for wisdom if we lack it. But it says, asking, nothing wavering. Because if we're of that divided mind, why would we think God would answer those prayers? What is that? It's a lack of faith. We have the promise, uh, pr- promise of, of uh, we have the privilege of prayer and the promises of God that He hears our prayers and that, that He loves to give good gifts to those who come to Him. There are a number of things that we know that if we just ask Him, He tells us we can have them. One is the is the Holy Spirit. Luke chapter eleven. He says, "How much greater will I give the Holy Spirit to them that ask Him?" And man, that is what the church needs today. It's what every Christian needs today. He indwells us, but we need to be filled with this power. But too many times our prayers are hindered by any number of those things that we just talked about. We pray, but we don't really want to forgive others. We, we pray, but, we, but, there, but there's a sin in our life that we don't want to confess. We pray, we want revival, but we don't really want revival because that would, that would cause us to change our life. We, we, we pray all kinds of different things. What we need is a dependence upon God that co- that brings us to the point of prayer. And as I look in the as I look in the, the book of Acts, it was always struggle that brought them there. It was always persecution. In fact, when the church is doing well, and when the church is rich, and when the church has much, the church is in trouble. And we live in America, and we are rich. You say, oh, I'm not rich. You don't know what I... We are rich compared... It, if we saw what most of the people in this world went to worship in, we would be ashamed. We have four walls and a roof and carpet and places to sit. There are churches that are meeting outside. There are churches that are meeting indoors, but their but their roof leaks. There are churches that have a roof but no walls. There are churches that they sit on the cement. There are churches where I saw one. Uh, uh, I saw. A video of a church that the building had been flooded. They were standing knee deep in water, and the church was full—not just of water, but of people. If we can't, if if the church won't come together when everything is just right, they will not come together when nothing is. So, how do we get to that point? We pray. seek the help of God. 
because there isn't a message that I can preach or there isn't a conversation that you can have to convince somebody to, do, to be different than what they are. You know what it takes? The work of God in the the work of God through the Spirit of God and the Word of God. It takes it takes conviction, which I can't do. It takes conviction, which you can't do. It takes a, a yielded heart to hear and to, to, to feel the moving of, of God. See, well then what, what are we going to do? We pray, because that's that thing that God can do that we can't. And we don't stop praying. We watch and pray. We get we gather every opportunity that we can. We make opportunities to pray. Listen, uh, uh, I again, I like I said this morning, I, there are some that can't come. I I appreciated, uh, I appreciated the, the the ladies that weren't able that aren't normally able to come to the to the uh, Wednesday night service because it's too late and then and Gloria's not able to be out that late and. And, and so what does she do? Because she does, she loves prayer. She loves to be, uh, she, she got, she, she asked me if it was okay to get together a prayer meeting in her house. And she, she hosted that for, for almost a year until COVID came and, and they weren't supposed to have people in her house anymore. It's that spirit that will bring about revival. Say, well, those people are old. God could use old people. I mean, I know you went to the prayer meeting. I'm not saying you're old. <laughs> so did Carol. I'm, well, Carol. <clears throat> no. But those are our prayer warriors. Those, those folks who've been in the faith for so long, they, they know why they pray. Because they've seen it work before. It's like we expect people just to instantly get saved and they should be a Christian now. Well, they're, they're saved, but they, they need to grow to that. Well, how do you do that? Well, I don't know Paul said that, to pray for one another. They got to help us. They got to help us to pray. Let's close with prayer. Father God, I thank you, Lord, for this day. Lord, I thank you for our church. Lord, I thank you for those who faithfully pray at home in their, in their secret places, Lord. And they seek your face. God, I pray that you would meet with them every single day. Lord, I pray that you would work in them, encourage them, strengthen them. Lord, that they not become discouraged, that they not be overwhelmed. Lord, but they continue just to seek your face, to persevere until you, you hear the answer. God, I pray that you would continue to work in, 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 in our church and in our people, Lord, to, to see the need for prayer as individuals, but also to see a need for prayer as a church. God, that our, that our prayer time could uh, would uh, would be blessed by their presence, Lord. Lord, that we'd be able to pray for more things and, and pray for, for more significant needs. And Lord, as, as, you, as you bring those people into our church, as you, uh, Lord, I, I just ask for you to help us. Lord, we need your power. We need your help. Uh, Lord, there's nothing that we can do in and of ourselves. We are in need of you to do the work. So God, I pray that, you, that you'd revive us. I pray that you'd start it in me, help my prayer life to, to increase and to grow. I pray that you'd help me to be, spend more time in the word and more time in prayer. Lord, I pray that you would help me to spend more time uh, with with you, Father. And, and in all of that, Lord, may you, you fill me with your spirit. 
God, I pray that you give us opportunities to share the gospel with people. Lord, help us not to, to, to walk around oblivious to the need around us. Lord, there are people that need to hear the gospel. Lord, they need us to be prepared and ready to, to, to share the gospel with them. God, I pray that it goes forth in, in power. Lord, that we do see salvations. Lord, I pray for Sky, who, who who made a profession of faith a few weeks ago, but we haven't seen her uh, since. God, I, I don't know if, whether or not she got saved. It's not for me to, to, to be able to tell, but God, I, I certainly pray that your spirit would work upon her. Lord, that you would work in her life. I ask for your the for your help in that, Lord. Uh, that, uh, Lord, I, I don't want to chase somebody that's, that's trying to run away from it, but God, I certainly don't want somebody to slip away into the into the grips of Satan. I pray, God, you work in her heart. Lord, there are others uh, that uh, that we, that, Lord, that we haven't seen in a, in a while. God, I pray that you'd bring them back. I pray, Lord, that you would uh, do a work in their heart. Lord, convict them of their need of, 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 of fellowship, of, of service of Christ in their lives. God, I pray that you'd work. Help us in all that we do, Father, that we bring honor and glory to your name, Lord, that we would serve you to the best of our ability, that we would be the hands and the feet of Christ. The apostles are gone, Lord, but uh, there are still billions of people that are without Christ. Help us, Lord, to do our part, and, and Lord, may you be glorified in all of it. Lord, we don't want any glory. We don't want to make a church. We don't want, we don't want any of those things. We just want to be able to serve you, glorify you with all that we do and say. Lord, may that be our focus, may that be our heart, may that be our motive. We ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen.